Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. And now a moment for our sponsors. I want to highly recommend you get Acquisition Aficionado Magazine. Every month, Acquisition Aficionado Magazine brings you tactics for business buying and selling you won't find anywhere else. Learn firsthand from industry leaders who share their success stories, featuring in-depth interviews and stories from leading figures in the business acquisition industry. This multi-platform mobile magazine speaks to acquisition entrepreneurs wherever they are in the journey. And I want you to visit acquisitionaficionado.com today. Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast. Today I'm here with Nate Ginsberg. He is the CEO of Centurica, which is a premium provider of buy-side due diligence services for online acquisitions. He's got 10 years of online entrepreneurial uh, experience and he happens to be a yogi. So there's an interesting conversation we're going to have today, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, excited to chat. Let's just jump into how, kind of how you got into this space. Uh, I always joke around and say, hey, you were born and somehow you ended up on a podcast about buying <laughs> and selling companies. Could you fill out the gap in between, right? So Totally. So, so yeah, my journey see, started um, probably, yeah, I guess uh, 10 years ago or more than 10 years ago now. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, it really started when I um, moved to Southeast Asia to, yeah, there was a, a really awesome community of online entrepreneurs that were living in, in uh, Vietnam and Thailand. And um, I went over there for a business event uh, f- for a community for online, you know, for like online entrepreneurs. This was the end of 2013. And yeah, that really became, you know, uh, I kind of stayed. Uh, I mean, moved around a lot, was really doing like the digital nomad thing. Uh, before it was, you know, as as popular and common as it is now, uh, and and yeah, so moved over uh, or went over for this event and really just fell into the community there, which, you know, was, you know, incredibly impactful and positive on my, you know, personal development, professional development, everything. Like, you know, that's where I really found my, you know, community and, you know, business partners, mentors, employees, friends. That's where I, you know, got into yoga and mindfulness and meditation. You know, all these things. Uh, living in Vietnam. And, and yeah, that's also like, it was because of that community that I found out about uh, different e-commerce models and got into selling on Amazon. Before that, I was doing some just sort of random, you know, marketing consulting. I mean, I was young and trying to figure things out and trying stuff. And, and yeah, when I moved there, uh, you know, maybe a year or two kind of saw some people having success with Amazon FBA. This was in 24, maybe a year later, 2014, and uh, this was still, you know, I mean, looking back, you know, quite early days of Amazon. And, uh, and yeah, from there, I, you know, with the help of in support of friends that basically just like, you know, broke down the business model and how to do it. And uh, yeah, you know, launched my first products on Amazon that, uh, you know, some of them hit and went well and grew that business and then um, had an exit from that in 2017. While I was building that business, I kind of realized something that I really enjoyed and had a good um you know, had a good knack for is really like remote teams and team building and, and leadership. And, and yeah, like I, so when I exited the e-commerce business, I had a really solid small team that was, you know, running my company for me. thought other sellers might want help with, you know, 
some of the things that I wanted help with and basically just started offering services. And, you know, fast forward, that became my other company, Sellerplex, which provides services for FBA and e-commerce sellers. Um, that business has, I mean, it's, it's grown over the years. The team now is, you know, maybe around 70 globally. Um, we've got, you know, a pretty big Amazon account management team. We've got actually, a, a, I'm excited about the progress we're making. We have a, a really awesome supply chain department and we're getting into like, you know, freight brokering. And, and yeah, I think there's around like 20 people in our supply chain department. We have a PPC management team. We have an accounting team and, you know, providing a, a number of different services for, you know, FBA e-com primarily. And uh, then about, so I guess in the spring of 2021, we, you know, uh, I mean, I'm pretty active and aware just in the Amazon FBA space and, and, you know, knew this big aggregator boom and people were looking to buy businesses. And, and yeah, you know, I had a lot of these, we actually did some projects a little bit previous around kind of like exit prep with um, a, a broker friend of mine for, you know, some of their clients and kind of thought that, oh, well, like due diligence is basically just kind of like the flip side of exit prep, you know, going through the numbers, identifying, you know, operational holes or challenges or red flags. And, and so, so yeah, we kind of put together a little scope for due diligence and, and started, uh, you know, started offering that and yeah, fast forward it, uh, we really were starting to get traction, um, I guess like, yeah, about a year ago, uh, you know, end of last summer. Um, and you know, those projects were, were really ramping up. Uh, yeah. And that kind of just got me thinking more seriously about due diligence as a, you know, like as a, like a service category. And, you know, I, I was aware of Centurica, which, you know, I, I, I was friendly with one of the co-owners, you know, we were friends online, we had some conversations and, you know, I knew of Centurica as just like the, the leading brand, the, you know, most known brand. Yeah. I basically reached out to Chris, the, the former co-owner and, um, you know, we hopped on a call. So it was, yeah, like almost a year ago, or I think it, the first, first kind of call about this was right around Thanksgiving. It turned out that like, you know, it, on the call, he was interested in exiting. I was interested in buying and that kind of, you know, that kicked off the acquisition process. And yeah, from there, fast forward, you know, six months or so, um, I, I used um, SBA financing. And so that, you know, uh, was part of the, you know, what kind of made the time cadence. And yeah, you know, I closed on the business uh, right around uh, the beginning of end of April, beginning of May. And uh, so that's how I came to be the owner of Centurica. And uh, yeah, like we were chatting about a little bit before, I mean, I, I had done a number of like, smaller acquisitions or partnerships. I've done some like, you know, advising for rev share type stuff. You know, I thought that I, I mean, I, I did have some experience with acquisitions and this, but like, yeah, as I was saying before we recorded, it's like, I've gotten definitely like a masterclass in, you know, due diligence acquisitions. I mean, man, like I have learned a ton because, you know, that's what we do now, you know, every day, you know, I'm talking to people that are buying businesses, looking at businesses, you know, we're like, working on due diligence and really getting into the nuts and bolts of businesses. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible learning experience and exposing me to, you know, a lot of, yeah, interesting new things, uh, a lot of growth for sure. I couldn't imagine doing due diligence on a company that I'm wanting to acquire who specializes in due diligence, right? <laughs> there, I, I can see where your previous, you know, connection and, and the rapport you have with the, the previous owner would be critical in that situation. Because if anybody can make a due diligence, you know, look legit, it's the guys that verify it and test it for everybody else, right? Sure. Well, yes. Um, 
But that being said, also, uh, I mean, I got to say, I mean, so the former co-owners, Chris and Brian, they're two of like the, it's like stand-up guys. I mean, they, yeah, uh, really, really just like high integrity. And, um, and yeah, like, you know, the, the process was very collaborative, you know, throughout and, and um, there was a, you know, a high degree of, of, of trust, you know, between them. And, and also in the thing with like, you know, due diligence, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, I learned a ton, you know, we did like, we did okay due diligence, but you know, now I, I've learned so much and, and definitely like, if I'm doing due diligence on my own acquisition, you know, would be, or will be approaching things differently in the future. But, but yeah, but I'd say, you know, a, a core of it really was trust and, um, and yeah, they were super cooperative with everything and, uh, and, and yeah, you know, we we're able to move the deal forward. Thinking about your digital uh, nomad type of uh, thing, there's, where is Centurica? Is Centurica like local to you or is it remote? I mean, is it spread across the yeah, world? No, remote team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, all, uh, all of our engagements are online. Um, and yeah, you know, we've got team North America, South America, Europe, and yeah, you know, uh, that's kind of, and that's just been my background. I mean, yeah. Sellerplex, like I said, has, you know, maybe 70, I think it's 70, 60, 70 people, uh, you know, globally. And, you know, when I was living, you know, I lived for many years in Vietnam and Thailand, I mean, I was just traveling a lot. And so that was always like a, you know, that was always like a, a, a core, non-negotiable of needing to have a business that allowed me to be in Asia, be in Europe, be in America. It intrigues me because that's what I'm building right now. If you, you already know, I'm, I'm in a tiny home sitting in a redwood forest, mm -hmm. Northern California, my, you know, companies I own are in Tulsa, Oklahoma and other locations, right? So I do everything via Skype and via chat message and phone calls. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they're physical like service businesses. Like I have a pest control company and there's, my guys are out spraying houses as we speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, you know, so well, the well, ability you, to go ahead. Yeah, I'll say one thing. I mean, so you know, my so you know, being the CEO of Centurica puts me in a really interesting spot because we get, you know, we get leads, you know, every day of people that are looking to make acquisitions and, and just like a lot of conversations with, you know, investors, acquirers, and and so yeah, just kind of getting a lot of exposure into different, you know what other people are thinking and some very successful, you know, people that, you know, happen to reach out and, and we connect with and, and, and yeah, you know, while my, you know, all my personal experience is online business, you know, e-commerce agency, you know, we do DD on SaaS businesses, um, you know, website, you know, website businesses. I'm very familiar with those, you know, online models, but you know, what I'm becoming even more interested actually is, you know, the local service businesses, you know, pest control, uh, you know, uh, driver limo services or, you know, uh, car wash. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, these kind of local models, I actually had a call yesterday with this guy, uh, super interesting guy who, so he, he, he inquired about, um, due diligence on an e-commerce business, which is really like our, you know, that's really our, our, our jam. I mean, I, we're, we're right. really, really experienced with e-commerce and, and e-commerce businesses are tricky getting cost of goods. Right. Um, and that's really, you know, uh, you know, area of expertise, so he reached out about that, but then we just kind of got to chatting and he mentioned that he's done like 20 local service business acquisitions. And, um, and you know, and a lot of people talk about this, but just how there's this, you know, coming wave of, uh, you know, an over inventory of, you know, baby boomers that are retiring in the next five to 10 years that don't have a succession plan with these kind of, you know, boring local businesses. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's exciting and, and, you know, like what you've done, like you can have a local service business, but you don't have to be local, you know, I mean, yeah, you got to get things set up, but I think it's super cool what you've done. And 
that's super interesting to me. <laughs> so it's interesting is uh, it's getting some attention, right? Uh, I was on a call yesterday with a founder, a CEO founder, uh, not a podcast, just a regular call, and a couple of his engineers because uh, they just wanted to pick my brain about the space. And they're a Y Culminator backed startup, and uh, they're doing they're doing some due diligence stuff, but they're creating kind of a biz by sale, a marketplace uh, that has a lot more services into it to help facilitate selling the mom and pop, you know, uh, service-based cool. company. And they, the interesting thing is they actually started with uh, heat and air and plumbing of all things. They just picked two industries so they could really laser focus in on them. And uh, there's a lot of interest in that, but to have, to see Y Combinator, a rock star startup, you know, funding type of, you know, setup back a project like that can kind of, kind of tells you where the market is. Like there's, there's just a lot of interest and a lot of, uh, room for this to grow. And they'll like, I, I honestly believe that they're going to expand into other markets fairly quickly, but, uh, there's that, there's the online world where, which you're really extremely familiar with. And then there's this brick and mortar companies that have been around since the, um, Many dawn years, of time yeah. yeah a million years so not a million but you know we've been around since the dawn of time and the two are kind of separate right now and i really mm -hmm. think that that's one of the biggest advantages our generation has i'm a little older than you but uh still got a lot of computer background is we can take a lot of those companies that were you know brick and mortar and uh and bring them into the digital age and sure. there's a huge opportunity for growth in that so let's yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the due diligence. What what, sep what separates due diligence? Like if I was going to buy another pest control company, you know, there's a certain list of things I need, but I wouldn't, and I'm a computer nerd enough. I know how to transfer the domain and stuff, but I wouldn't be looking at a lot of the stuff you need to look at, like where their traffic's coming from, where the address, you know, where their uh, sure. campaigns are, all the, there's a lot of stuff that makes online business due diligence different mm -hmm. than just buying a brick and mortar, you know, uh, heat and air company or pest control company or something. Totally. So, so yeah, um, with our, so with due diligence, um, you know, the way you kind of break it down, I'd say is three, three main buckets. Um, you've got the financial bucket, you've got operational and you've got commercial. And so really like, you know, um, maybe like the core I'd say of any due diligence is, is on the financial. So, you know, verifying that the numbers that you're presented are what the seller says they are, which is pretty big. You know, that's like the value of the business. And so, um, you know, on the financial side, that is, is yeah, uh, you know, part of our, you know, core competency, you know, we've, I mean, I, I've had to build, you know, a team of, you know, audit accountants. And this was like, again, part of my learning curve of just like really understanding what is needed to do financial diligence um, which is, you know, uh, and we're, you know, we're a premium service. And so we do like a full PL rebuild, full OPEX, you know, verification. Um, you know, we can do quality of earnings and like, I'm, I'm not an accountant, but you know, I've had to now build an accounting department that like, you know, can fulfill these, yeah, you know, PL rebuilds. And so, so that's the really the, the core of the, the financial side is, you know, so you get, you have your, the PL that the seller provides, you have your LOI, you have your valuation, and then we're going to rebuild that PL going into all the, you know, direct sources. So, you know, we'll get access to, you know, if it's an e-commerce business, the Amazon account, the Shopify account, you know, whatever other marketplaces, 
um, you know, if they're selling on Stripe, we'll get access to Stripe, PayPal, you know, all these things to really get, you know, direct eyeballs on anything where money is coming, you know, in or out. So we get access to the, you know, all the platforms as well as, you know, accounting software, bank statements to, again, rebuild the P&L uh, from scratch to then, you know, verify and match versus what the seller had. So, you know, let's say you're buying a business and it's, you know, the seller says it does a million dollars profit. And, you know, we go through, re we rebuild the P&L and we say, oh, well, like, you know, things that they categorize as add backs or some of these expenses that they, you know, this or that, we find additional things in there. Um, you know, we say, hey, we, you know, uh, we actually found the profit is, is 900K, not a million. And now, you know, you as the buyer, you know, that's, that's leverage for you. And you use that to say like, hey, well, uh, I'm buying it a 3X or a 3, you know, whatever. Um, and if, you know, if the profit numbers that we find are lower, you know, that becomes, you know, uh, well, insight for you and potentially, you know, negotiating leverage to, you know, get the deal price uh, lower or a different structure. So there's the financial side, which is like, you know, that's really the core of, you know, pretty much all of our engagements is the financial diligence. And then in addition to that, we've got operational diligence and commercial diligence. So operational diligence, you can think of as that's like looking inward into the company, looking for, you know, red flags, um, things that, you know, could be breaking, you know, break unsustainable skeletons in the closet, depending on, you know, the business model, are there black hat tactics, this or that, uh, as well as starting to get insight into like the value creation plan. And so what I mean by that is like, you know, we have some um, like HR and ops diligence where we'll go in, we'll, you know, we interview the team and kind of put together a report on like, okay, so we have really strong background as well with like hiring an HR. And so we'll come in, interview the team and like, all right, look, like without the, you know, the owner is currently filling, you know, these key roles, you know, in every, every sim or everyone's going to say, oh, that's a totally passive owner and, you know, can run without them. And so, you know, but you, you want to, you want to check and verify that. And so that's a lot of like on the op side is we can come in, talk to the team, you know, rebuild the org chart, make recommendations. Hey, like, you know, uh, we, we think that you could probably save, you know, 20, 30% if you organized it this way and kind of have this better, you know, structure, a lot of businesses as you know, you know, and your listeners know are, are pretty messy. And so that's like a, you know, that's often a lever that you can, you know, pull on. And so, yeah, that kind of go into operational looking into the business. And then you've got uh, like the market diligence, commercial diligence, which is like kind of looking at like the market, like, and, and that's more like outward looking. And so, um, you know, where's like the market as a whole going? How is this company positioned within the category? Um, you know, what are competitors doing? And, and yeah, to kind of give you a picture of like what the growth could look like uh, moving forward, um, as well as like, that's where, yeah, you can kind of like start looking at different, uh, you know, marketing channels or what, you know, what can you layer on with your experience to, um, you know, to have success with the future of the business. And so, so yeah, the three main buckets, financial, which is all about, you know, verifying and rebuilding the PL, um, operational, which is like looking inside the company, what are, you know, skeletons, red flags, as well as, you know, cost optimization and, and, uh, market or commercial diligence, you know, looking at the overall industry, the market, where's it going? How's this company positioned? What are other people doing? There you have it. It's interesting you brought up the black hat thing. I was either looking at your profile or 
like I went down a rabbit hole after I was doing the research on you this early this morning when I like I always look in the morning when I get up and get the kids off to school. Like, like who do I have on my calendar today? And then I just kind of go down this rabbit hole of who are they and what they're working on. And I don't know if it's posted directly to your LinkedIn or it was one of the rabbit hole items I strayed off of. <laughs> you know, my ADD takes me on adventures all the time. Uh, but there's a thing inside of the podcast community right now where people are faking numbers by doing something inside of gaming communities and games where people get credits and points for and like uh, to buy items inside of the games. If they click a link to download uh, your podcast, right? So now their downloads look like their numbers are shooting through the roof and they got a two second listen time because nobody, nobody's really listening to this stuff that happens, you know, was, that was happening a lot in the uh, AdSense space and other stuff. People were, Doing things to fake numbers and make things look. I, I used to flip websites back. Oh, I don't even want to date myself, but before it was cool. And I got burned a couple of times because people got really good at faking stuff. At first, it was just Photoshopping reports. And then I got, you know, like got into where I like, I want to log into your account or I'm not going to buy the thing. And, you know, then they started having nefarious or I get the, I think that's the right word I want to use, like bad traffic sources and it was no there was just untraceable from my side of point of view so the fact you guys are looking for that and looking to see is okay is everything they say legit and on the level and mm -hmm. it's all done you know in a way that's repeatable and sustainable that's that's impressive because you can get burned pretty quick i mean i acquired one you know, it wasn't a big purchase 30 something grand that i thought i was in a flip and within two or three days you know i was gonna clean it up you had a new user interface. I thought it had a great customer base. It was just kind of ugly. And that's kind of what I did. I had a design team that would make things usable. You know, mm -hmm. I'd buy something that had great functionality, just wasn't really um, aesthetically pleasing and, you know, kind of clunky. And then we, we would go through and make it cool to use and then turn around and put a new face on it, drive some, you know, pay-per-click advertisement to it, drive the numbers up, share all that with somebody else and sell it and, you know, double our money. Within a week, my traffic, within five or six days, my traffic went from like, I think it was 20 something thousand page views per month to like 12. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like talking like, you know, 1200, 12. Like, uh -huh. I, my team was the only pe people looking at the website and uh, it was all, it was all made up. And uh, I logged into those. I looked, I logged into their analytics. I seen their, you know, page stuff. I seen their, I mean, uh, they were using an old tool that I used to love. Uh, I think they targeted me because they knew what I liked. Right? I, I actually, uh, I used to like this click path analysis tool that would run an, under uh, in, inside of uh, Pearl or whatever. You know, we built these websites on, and you could see where people you know, went inside of the website, how long they stayed on particular pages and stuff like that. And the reason for that for us was we were looking for long paths for high high profit margin products. So if somebody took fifteen clicks to get to a product that sells pretty good moving that to the front page would drive our numbers up because people were looking for it. Anyway, uh, they were using all the tools I wanted them to use. I bought the thing and all of a sudden it just kind of blew up and crashed. So the fact that you're looking for that's cool. What about, you know, in, in the brick and mortar space, we look for things like, like the legal side of due diligence. Um, are they HR compliant? Are they, did they have any pending lawsuits that they've been sued in the past? Uh, especially, like for the pest control, I have to, I have to really like when I'm looking to buy other companies like that, I have to look at like, are they following the rules? Do they have mm -hmm. their records? You know, 
have they been sued? Did they, you know, they have any damages like that? You know, there's some, there's, there's a lot of things you got to look for. If they got more than 50 employees, are they following the, the protocol changes? Like, do they have, have, you know, have they held workers comp like they're supposed to? Do they have, they had the, you know, any sexual harassment claims or do you guys get into any of the, yeah, we, we, we do a bit. So, you know, we're, um, I guess this would probably fall into another bucket of like legal DD. Um, mm. And we do, you know, I mean, one, we're working with, you know, overwhelmingly they're, they're online businesses. And so, you know, some are, you know, some of that's like more or less relevant than, than others, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, we run through, you know, we subscribe to a bunch of different databases to kind of run through like, you know, personal background checks, business background checks, you know, have there been any, yeah, you know, has anything kind of, you know, come up against um, the business or the person. So, so yeah, so we, we do a little bit of that. Um, but, but yeah, like legal DD, I wouldn't say is our specialty, but that, that, that being said, one thing that I really, you know, that I've been really working on with Centurica is to be able to really just solve our, you know, solve problems for our clients. And so, you know, we've got a network of, you know, lawyers that we work with and this. And so, so yeah, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, a uh, prospect last week and you know he needed some additional you know contract review verification and like you know uh, i was able to yeah i mean the the lawyer that you know our, our lawyer that we work with you know was able to come in and and you know look over to kind of verify stuff for them and and yeah and that's also an area that um is i mean i've noticed with the due diligence industry a lot of service providers are very siloed so like all right look we do you know, financial diligence, that's it. You know, oh, we do tech diligence, that's it. Oh, we do legal diligence, that's it. And, and yeah, you know, that's an area that I want to, you know, uh, like my background with service businesses, we, we, you know, try to say yes to what clients need and, and, you know, be of service and, and help them solve their problems. And so, so yeah, like I, I definitely try to, you know, where possible, uh, you know, be accommodating. And even if it's out of scope, well, not out of scope, but we can scope additional areas that even if it's like, you know, a little bit outside of the normal scope. Uh, yeah. Do what we can to, to, you know, help the clients out. What is your vision with Centurica? Where do you, where do you see it going? Where do you want to take it? Yeah. Good question. And, um, that's something that I'm, I'm honestly thinking a lot about lately. Uh, you know, so I'm about five months in and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'll say the, you know, first five months it's been at times rocky and, uh, the biggest thing and the first thing was always um, installing my own team. And so this was something, again, that I knew coming into the acquisition, but really underestimated was, you know, what kind of team and infrastructure was needed to, you know, fulfill the service at the level that, you know, Centurica is, is known for. And, you know, we're known for, you know, premium, high quality. And, and so, yeah, like the number one objective since day one was like, okay, you know, continuity of work, getting in the right team to do the work. And, and yeah, like, I'll be honest, uh, a couple months ago, I mean, there were some people that I hired that didn't work out that I thought were this, I mean, I mentioned a big learning curve just of what, you know, what even is needed to, to do the work. And, and so, yeah, you know, fast forward now, we've actually, I mean, the team has really come together, have an amazing, um, you know, lead accountant slash ops woman who, you know, former Deloitte worked at HSBC, um, you know, very like high level, you know, accountant auditor, and we've got, you know, auditors under her now. And, and, um, and yeah, that was always like step one, you know, like people come to us for due diligence, we got to be able to fulfill that. And, and like I said, the, I mean, the other part of the scope, the operational, the commercial, like that's, 
that's stuff that I get excited about. And I think is really interesting, kind of similar to you, but the, the core of the deliverables, like I said, are these PL rebuilds. And like, that's what, you know, we got to be able to deliver those. And, and yeah, you know, now we're at a place, I mean, again, um, you know, have good people in place to, you know, confident in our abilities to deliver that. And actually we've, and, and I mean, the former, uh, the former, one of the former uh, owners, Brian, who was the main kind of ops guy previously, amazing guy, really great guy, very talented. You, you know, the, the current team is actually, it's, it, it's like, you know, higher level accountants. I mean, Brian, I mean, he's done a million of these very, very smart, very, very capable, but he's also not a senior accountant. And like now we do have a senior accountant. And so some of the accounting work has been improved. And I mean, I just, you know, like I said, I'm not an accountant, but I'm learning about, you know, accounting kind of uh, standards and this. And so, so yeah, I feel really good about, you know, getting that in place. And so, and then, yeah, you know, now thinking of the vision moving forward, um, you know, th- that was always getting that team in place was always like the first objective and nothing couldn't even think about anything else until that was, until that was completed and, you know, still a work in progress, but again, like it's in a you know good spot or much better spot. So, so yeah, then back to the, the vision and, and that's a lot of, you know, what I'm thinking about, um, you know, if we zoom out people that are interested in making acquisitions or investors, there's a, you know, there's a, you know, that, that customer journey kind of looks like there's, you know, there's pre LOI, you're looking for a business to buy. Then you find one, you have an LOI. That's when due diligence kicks in. Then post LOI or, you know, post close, you've got, you know, integration, scaling, growth. And, and yeah, I think the the vision is for Centurica to be able to expand and, you know, provide value to people at wherever they are in that continuum. And, you know, one of the, the challenges with due diligence is it's, it's really, it's only relevant when you have a business that you are, you know, have under LOI. I mean, there's a little bit of pre LOI DD and there's, you know, uh, is some sell side DD, but you know, we Centurica focuses on, on buy side and, uh, you're not really able to, you can only market that so much. I mean, it's like being in front of people and having awareness, but you know, there's no way that I could convince you right now to hire us for due diligence, unless you have a business that you're already looking at. And so, and so, you, you know, in terms of, you know, direction and vision, um, you know, thinking a lot about expanding into, uh, you know, deal generation, deal flow, uh, you know, that's a big thing. And there's, you know, other people that do that. And, you know, people ask us for it. You know, we, we work with some, you know, aggregators, some funds, as well as just individuals that like, you know, have a bunch of money. They're trying to invest it and trying to find, you know, acquisition opportunities. And, and so, yeah, you know, if we develop that capability, um, you know, I think that that could, you know, open up new and different opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, that's something I'm thinking about as well as, is yeah, just kind of other, things that we can kind of grow and expand into. I think there could be some different community plays, you know, Centurica has got, it's got a strong brand. Um, it's got, you know, a decent email list. It's got, uh, yeah, like a good reputation. And, and yeah, that's really like what I'm, I've been trying to do is just, you know, getting on more calls with our clients and, you know, prospects and finding out what they need and what would be useful. So we can, you know, build different, whether it's, you know, uh, deal generation, you know, uh, products or services or whether it's, you know, communities, masterminds for people to collaborate on deals and bring deals or whether it's, you know, courses around, you know, how to do these things. And so, yeah, I mean, think about a lot of things. Um, yeah, it's kind of like where, where my head's at for what the, the vision is. I noticed you, uh, you had another thing that was the start or something that started off as, uh, 
Amazon, right? FBA. But um, do you guys also take a look at somebody's got a product that are hundred percent on Amazon, which scares me. I won't, I won't buy something like that. Cause you know, I, I don't buy anything where there's a single entity that mm. can smack me and destroy my day. Right. So, you know, so I don't buy anything that's like, I, I'm looking for a content company, B2B content because of the podcast and other stuff. I'd love to have, you know, writers on staff and producing other content that supports this and branches out into the B2B content space. But I don't want anything that's 100% revenue generated based off of Google ads or something like that. You know, no AdSense type of sites. No, it needs to be a broad mix just because I'm I'm just not into I've got one entity that can just smack me and ruin my day. I, I, I've had that experience and I've had some really good friends that were doing good money back in the day with made for AdSense type of websites where they just produce content. They had, you know, as sites all over it and then they got re-indexed, not, not went from page one to page 10. And now they're out there, you know, you know, like, do I flip burgers or do I try to get back in the tech world? What do I do? I'm not making enough money to support my team. And they had to lay off team members type of thing. So, uh, but do, the, tell the whole story to get to one question. The sure. question is, is do you guys look at it and say, okay, wait a second here. You guys are doing Amazon, but you know, this product would really do good on Spotify. On Spotify, um, what am I looking for? Shopify. Shopify. That's the one. It would do. It would good in this market space. Or hey, like there's people killing it in one of these other marketplaces. You know, just you know, here's an opportunity. You guys, I help identify in that due diligence because like part of what I do in, in due diligence, and I know a lot of other guys in this acquisition opportunity is where's the area for growth? Do you guys take a look at some of that and make suggestions or? Um, it depends on the scope, you know, we certainly can, and that would be into, you know, more kind of like, you know, market analysis and opportunity analysis, which, yeah, we, you know, we can do. Um, and yeah, a lot of that, you know, looking at different marketing channels and what they're currently doing, uh, and, and yeah, making, you know, recommendations for, you know, ways they can expand and ways they can grow, whether that's, you know, expanding their product portfolio, um, expanding into new channels. So yeah, uh, can for sure. Okay. So what are the red flags inside of a due diligence? I noticed you were on a panel recently. I'm looking at your LinkedIn. Uh, mm. Part of my research, you were either on a panel or about to join a panel that talks mm. about red flags and due diligence. So what do you mm. think the, you know, what are the biggest things that like should set you back and take, make you take another look at something? Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, uh, I mean, you know, thinking about this, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm buying a company now uh, and looking at what, yeah. What are some of the big red flags? Uh, one is going to be key person risk. And this was a big thing that I dealt with. I mean, I, I knew, I knew that I was dealing with it with the Centurica acquisition, but just really underestimated how big of a challenge it would be. And like I said, you know, it was, was messy, but fortunately, you know, much better now. Um, but yeah, so key person risk is really like, is that, you know, the owner or certain people in the business just like, you know, the, the business really dependent on these people to, you know, to run. And maybe the owner is the specialist who's doing the work. Maybe the owner has the relationships where that's where the leads and the opportunities come from. And, and yeah, or, you know, certain key people in the business that are just needed that if they left, the business would be really struggling. So, so that's, you know, really something to look at. Um, and these are things that are going to be more, you know, broadly applicable to businesses. We can go into like specifics around, you know, e-commerce, but yeah. Um, you know, broadly speaking. So yeah, key person, um, you know, looking at, uh, you know, margin and, you know, revenue trends. And so looking at a business and, and this is applicable to, to any model, you know, what, what are the revenue trends showing? Is it growing? Is it, you know, declining? Um, 
is, you know, and margins, are margins going up, going down, you know, cost of acquisition is your, um, are your advertising costs going up? Is your, you know, cost to acquire a new customer going up relative to the price? So we look at this a lot with, you know, I mean, e-commerce, it's applicable to every business, but, but yeah, with e-commerce, especially, um, especially for business, for businesses that sell on Amazon, because Amazon is, you know, they're always increasing fees. Um, a lot of times we see businesses where, you know, they're, the Amazon fees are going up, the, you know, the PPC fees are going up and the product price is actually going down because competitors are coming in. They need to price to stay competitive. And so, so yeah, you know, looking at those like revenue trends, margin trends, um, you know, that, that'd be a really big potential red flag. And yeah, something else that, you know, I would definitely, um, I, I mean, super important for, you know, for any acquisition is going to be, this is more on the, on the commercial or market side is really like, you know, customer concentration, um, customer demographics, you know, if the business is serving, you know, e-commerce sellers, for example, like, okay, what's the future of e-commerce look like? Is it going up? Is it going down? Um, you know, especially now in the uncertainty around the economy, like is the, um, you know, yeah. Like is the, whatever market it's serving, um, you know, how's that going to fare in a potential recession or, you know, if, uh, you know, household spending kind of decreases. And so, so yeah, really, you know, being aware of what, you know, analysis of the market that the business serves as well as like customer concentration within that market. And so, Oh, like, is it, you know, uh, heavily reliant on, you know, three big, you know, repeat buyers or clients and, Oh, if you lost one of them, would the business be down, you know, 30% or, you know, or whatnot. Uh, but yeah, all, all kind of in the like customer concentration, um, you know, space, which, which, yeah, I think like, so yeah, th those three things for, you know, really broadly applicable to any acquisition, uh, key person risk margin and revenue trends, as well as uh, customer concentration. You know, I would take a weigh those heavily in whatever you're acquiring. I would, uh, I know you mentioned in the side of that, but I'd really also really be concerned with where are the customers coming from? Like, uh, we're, you know, not cost of acquisition, but acquisition source. Uh, I know somebody who, uh, I don't want to, I, I, he's in networking events with me and I don't want to say where just because there was sometimes that group's small and people know who I'm talking about, but, um, he's trying to sell an online commerce business right now. And, uh, I know why he's trying to sell it. He was doing really well with Google paid ads like PPC and Google made some changes. And then he was able to do really well with Facebook, right. And do Facebook paper, uh, pay-per-click. And then change, Facebook just kind of changed their stuff and he's struggling inside of there. And he's in his profit margins, like really tight. Now he's doing really well with Twitter. Uh, no, I mean, sorry, TikTok ads. And I mean, it's, he's killing it with TikTok. TikTok's kind of the new hot thing right now. But he says, like, when TikTok's gone, where do I go? So he's trying to sell it because, like, right now it looks good. Everything's going good. You know, he's, he's had this kind of up and down, but it's at one of the ups now and he's going to get more for it. And if he sells it before TikTok, figures out what you know youtube figured out what uh you know uh, google pay-per-clicks figured out what facebook uh, figured out and he gets squeezed by uh, tiktok he doesn't know where he's going next right mm -hmm. um sure. yeah and, uh, and to your point i mean totally like you know being aware of the acquisition channels i mean mm -hmm. yeah are, are they sustainable um are is the business able to does it just have like predictable channels that it can you know, tap into, uh, for yeah, their marketing or sales. 
and and yeah, I mean that's um, something that I certainly would be um, you know prioritizing. It's like, oh, is it all word of mouth? Word of mouth is great, but it's also it's unpredictable. If you don't really know where the sales and leads are coming from, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it can be tricky. Especially if you're buying something, if it's word of mouth, it'd be like buying something from me. I've got, you know, 90 plus thousand followers on different channels and stuff. If I'm using my followers to do it and you buy it, I, I'm not giving you my followers, right? They're like they're following my name on this, all of these things are not following the company side of it. So that would be a difficult thing to, to, to do. So, you know, anything I build, I make sure like even this podcast, you know, you notice I didn't introduce myself. I introduced you, right? I, I purposely don't brand it around me. I'm, I'm the host now, but at some point there might be a co-host or a, or a substitute host. The point is get good people on here and get the content out there and it be irrelevant to who I am. So if someday I do decide to sell this, it's sellable. Kind of circle back around to that, the, 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 the side of the due diligence and the red flags and stuff. What's the biggest thing? Like, if you, if you, like, if you've seen, if there's a lot of that stuff can be adjusted and you can figure for it and you can go, okay, I already own an audience and I'm buying this to sell your product to my audience. There's a lot of that. Is there anything inside of that? Like, look, if you see this, you run. Question is like, just looking at, I mean, any business, if you see this, you run. I mean, I guess I'd say as an acquirer is going to be, if you have any sense that the seller is, you know, being deceiving, like that's, yeah, uh, that is For something me. to run. It doesn't matter what the business is, how it's doing. If you can't trust the seller, then I mean, I think you got to stay away. For me, it's that black hat stuff. If you if you if you go, hey man, check out this little uh, you know trick I've got where you know we're we're driving you know twenty five percent of our revenue for this thing over here, and you look at that and like it's immoral, illegal, or you know. It shouldn't be done. It's uh, you, you found a way to get around somebody's set of rules. Google's, Facebook's, uh, you know, even Amazon's. Uh, if you get if you're getting around the rules to get yourself done, you know, get to to make a big portion of your that's that's just a big red flag for me. Number one, that you would do that, and number two, that they're eventually going to figure it out, <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that uh, black hat. Right. If you, I mean, the thing is though, it. I mean, yeah, it depends, you know, there's black hat, there's gray hat. The thing is also that you got to keep in mind with, you know, every acquisition has risk. And mm -hmm. so really the, you know, it's a, it's not about finding a business that has no risk. It's about, you know, being aware of the risk and then being comfortable with that and having, you know, yeah, uh, being comfortable with the risk and, you know, with your awareness of what it is and how you could possibly mitigate it or grow from it. Yeah. If you see some like super black hat, dirty stuff that, probably uh, a red flag as well. Right. Um, I don't even know what would be black hat inside of a e-com store. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's review manipulation. That's a big thing on Amazon, but, but that's also, it's more gray, you know, a lot of these things as well. And, you know, if it's, a, if it's a, you know, SEO site or they do SEO, there's not like, you know, it's a lot of these things. It's not a clear line of what's, you know, black or gray or this, um, you know, really, but like, you know, if you see anything that's like <laughs> indicative of fraud, <laughs> that would be, you know, that, that would be a red flag and, and, and yeah, something you want to stay away from. Right before, uh, right after doing, I did uh, a couple of mentors courses back when, two years ago when I first uh, decided I want to go down this path. And right in the middle of those courses, a guy came to me wanting to sell a business and I was in one of his kind of mastermind types of things. He goes, hey, I'll sell you this 
e-commerce business I had. And his model was like, I thought about the model and then I shut it down because I, I used to be a domainer. If you know what that is, I bought hundreds and hundreds of domains. Mm-hmm. I still own over a hundred or so domains. But one of the ideas I had is like, what if I fired up all domain domains? I spread them across 15, 20, 30 different hosts about, you know, I put everything on its own IP and then I write articles and I support the main one. So I get my own back. I could just basically have my own backlinks and crosslinks channels. The problem with that is, is once it's detected, it's you're just shut down. And that's what he had built. And that's what he was trying to sell me. He, he had, you know, 200 domains. Uh, they're all writing articles. He's putting on articles on all of them. They were all pointing back to his e-commerce type of solution products, stuff like that. And that's his only source of traffic. He had no pay-per-click, no um, he said, that's all organic. And I was like, no, that's not organic, <laughs> right? You own every one of those domains. Like if you look at, all, you know, 90%, I wouldn't say 90, a large percentage of all his backlinks were, were things that he created and built. He's like, it's undetectable. They'll never figure it out. I was like, it's Google, man. Uh, oh. Don't call anything unde- uh, undetectable because, you know, it's not undetectable. Somebody will figure it out. Uh, I've asked you a lot of questions, man. One of the favorite things I like to do is like kind of put you in the spot in this right here. I've asked you a lot of questions today. What should I have asked? What do we miss, man? Hmm. Well, I think we covered a lot. Uh, you know, talked a lot about due diligence, what to look for, red flags. We talked touched on a little bit, but uh, you know, maybe some opportunities that I I think are exciting or you know we're seeing. Um, in in one big thing that um that yeah that I'm thinking a lot about is really you know it's like strategic strategic acquisitions for, you know, to grow existing businesses. And so, you know, I'm sure a lot of your audience is thinking about this or maybe they're, you know, existing business owners and exploring M&A for growth. But I think there's a big opportunity for, you know, seven figure businesses, multi seven figure businesses to, you know, double by leveraging M&A and, you know, you can get, you know, deal structure is a whole other thing. And, you know, it's, you probably can do it with way, way more or way less out of pocket than, you know, you're thinking, but yeah, but that's something I'm, I'm really interested in. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm exploring additional acquisitions for, you know, my other agencies and, you know, things that we can bolt on to, you know, really supercharge growth. And, and yeah, that's like, you know, again, I'm sure a lot of your audience is thinking about that already, but I think that's a big opportunity for existing businesses that have infrastructure to, you know, double via acquisition. Yeah, I seen you made a post that said you're uh, interested in acquiring, merging, or partnering with, uh, you know, agencies in the e-commerce space. Are you talking about marketing agencies, or what are you talking about agencies in the e-commerce space? Yeah, I mean, you know, that was really um, inspired by. I mentioned I was at an event recently, and just you know, thinking a lot about M and A and moves to make, and and yeah, my my company Sellerplex has. You know, I mean, between Sellerplex and Centurica, I've got a lot of infrastructure. And so, you know, we've got a great recruiting department. You know, we've got two full-time people that, I mean, are great. That's a real core competency of ours that uh, solves a lot of problems for service businesses. We're really good at hiring. Um, You know, we've got a great supply chain department. We've got a great Amazon account department. We've got a great accounting department. You know, Centurica, we've got a great due diligence team. And, uh, And yeah, that was sort of a, you know, offer looking for, anyone, you know, interested in collaborating and I'd, you know, make the offer out to any listeners now or your audience. Um, you know, I'm just always looking for, you know, open to ways to collaborate, win-wins and, and just trying to look at what infrastructure I have that can be leveraged. And like, you know, uh, I actually was pretty, pretty, uh, happily surprised by the people that reached out from that post. And I've been having a number of conversations that, you know, uh, 
who knows where it'll lead. Um, but yeah, it's opened up some interesting conversations with other agencies that, you know, yeah, there, there could be some, some collaboration that I think would be, would be good for us both. Is Sellerplex one of your main lead generations for Centurica? I mean, it looks like it could be. Uh, right? Actually, it's more the, the other way around. Centurica yeah. has the stronger brand, has more leads, has, you know, is, is like broadly speaking more well-known. Um, so, so yeah, like, you know, but some of the leads that come in on Centurica, we work on DD and then, you know, if they're having e-commerce business and they want help with other things. You Are know? you familiar with the uh, sitcom, um, How I Met Your Mother? There's that little their little thing they play all thing. Like, have you met my friend Ted? Right. Mm-hmm. I call that that's my introduction to cross selling. Now is like if you're mm-hmm. in Soterica, you know, you could be like, hey, you just bought this. Have you met my friend Solaplex or Solaplex? Yeah, right? t- totally. I mean, you know, my experience with service businesses, I think like the number one is always just, you know, do good work, build a good relationship. And if you do that, then that opens up additional ways to work together and collaborate. And and so that's really why like the number one always is just do good work yeah, solve problems, build a relationship. And, and yeah, that can open up different ways to, you know, collaborate and, down the road. And your biggest obstacle to making the sale is already conquered, right? Anybody who's using Centurica already has the concept of having an outside service helping them, right? A lot of these uh, solar entrepreneurs, a lot of these guys are just a do it, do it yourself guys or whatever. And they're going to, I'll figure this out or they, I'm going to hire a single guy to figure this out. But to, to hire a third party service and know that that's the right way to go, well, I mean, yes. And I mean, really like if you're doing, I mean, uh, like, unless you're an audit accountant, like you're not doing that yourself. I mean, a lot of the, like the PE firms, they have their own in-house teams that are doing it, but yeah. it's like, that's a, you know, that's a pretty core like thing that, I mean, any, any like experienced acquirer is, you know, they're going to do good financial diligence. And it's really, it's, it's, it's a question of in-house if they have the in-house capability, then they'll probably be using that. Yeah. But if not, it's like, you know, you gotta, unless you're an audit accountant and want to rebuild the P&L yourself, which is a huge pain, then, you know, then you got to find outside help. You know, when we first started this, I actually had a, a lady who was semi-retired who was a forensic accountant. Um, it's another word for audit accountant, but a forensic accountant. And that's what she, she would come in. And I was like, usually it was like, Hey, I can't make sense of this. Can you figure out what's going on with this? And then, you know, she would look at it and put it back together for me and hand it back over, but she's doing something else now. So when I'm looking for my next one, I'm going to be, uh, looking for like a forensic accountant skilled, uh, team member. Um, the big roll up thing we had, we had two guys on our team who are accountants by previous trades and have that level of uh, skill. But, uh, you know, as I'm looking at what my next venture is, I'm certainly going to be the guy who has to go, okay, I either got to find somebody that can pull this together. I've got a guy that was on the show who does it for small companies, really reasonably priced. But, uh, you know, so I'm going to use him to start with. But uh, Or you can and, always par- partner with Centurica. Yeah, if it's online, absolutely. I, I don't, for some reason, I'm kind of in this brick and mortar space. Funny thing was, is uh, I come from the tech industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my background, uh, defense contracting, but, uh, and, and some of the early on, uh, early, early, early website type of stuff, uh, back in the day when excite.com was head to head with Yahoo, I was the, uh, senior director of, uh, operations, basically all the server admins and nerds worked for me at excite. So I helped run the excite.com portal. Um, uh, so, you know, th- th- I've got the background there, but it's 20 plus years removed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, I say that I, I I'm still, I'm open. 
to that. And if I definitely was on the e-commerce space or if you guys ever go into the rigor mortar space, I would certainly uh, entertain that. Sure, Absolutely. sure. And, and and one thing I'll just say is that, um, you, you know, we definitely, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're great with e-commerce. I'd say e-commerce is probably our, you know, that's like really our bread and butter, but like the, you know, the, the, de- the department, you know, we have an audit accounting department and like the process is, so, so what makes e-commerce tricky is cost of goods. And like, we understand cost of goods, we understand supply chain. So that's something that, yeah, I mean, is, is particularly, you know, a tricky component of e-commerce, um, you know, financial diligence, but you know, the same, the same method applies. And so, you know, we, we have a strong team of, you know, they're, they're audit accountants. And so we know how to do PL rebuilds that like that. Yeah. E-commerce I'd say is, is particularly difficult versus, you know, a brick and mortar business. I'm sure there are some, you know, uh, some, you know, nuance, but like, but yeah, fairly straightforward, I think, versus e-commerce, which again is like particularly tricky. So yeah. Well, let's before we get too far here. I mean, we're we're already past the hour mark. Uh, let's make sure people know how to reach out to you. I, I have some stuff in the show notes, but how do you prefer people uh, if they want to talk to you about what, maybe a future acquisition or maybe you know needing some due diligence support? Uh, yeah. What are the proper ways? Uh, what are the channels you want people to reach out to you? Yeah, totally. Uh, so again, my name is Nate Ginsburg, you know, at Nate Ginsburg on all the social. Um, yeah, you know, find me on Instagram, find me on LinkedIn, find me on Facebook. I'm not yet that active on Twitter, but I think that's uh, inspired by, you know, you and other people pro- probably coming. And and yeah, you know, really like looking to anyone who like found any of this interesting, have any ideas of how we can collaborate, anything that, you know, my resources and uh, infrastructure can do to support. Yeah, would love to have a chat and see if there's anything we can do together. Cool. Um, three takeaways. If you could pick three things from the show today that you want people to remember you by, I want to like, you know, like if they didn't remember anything else. What would you have people remember you? Um, I mean, I think like the, the three cores, well, okay. So the three parts of diligence, financial, operational, commercial, the red flags of key person risk, uh, customer concentration, um, you know, revenue and, and margin trends, and that, yeah, I think like, you know, using acquisitions to creatively solve your problems, whatever it is, I don't know if that was three things or seven things, but <laughs> stuff for people to think about. <laughs> we got the spirit of it down. So, and, you know, I, I love the concept of uh, solving problems through, uh, through acquisition. If you look at the big boys, that's what they've been. Google's been doing it forever, right? Uh, right. Google, Google will buy a company and spend millions, if not billions of dollars just to get the right engineers, you know, from them to work, you know, you know. It's interesting. There, we've seen it over and over again where they bought companies and within six months, the lead engineer that built that company is working on one of Google's projects. And, you know, and they either divest of that, you know, the, the, it's, they do a, a, a aqua hire. I think it was the nickname they've got it now. Sure. They're, they're acquiring companies to hire key people. So uh, they're solving the problem of, I really need an engineer that specializes in this. And right now he's parked over here. I'll just buy the company because he won't move. <laughs> yeah, right? that's definitely a, a strategy. Awesome. I appreciated having you on here. Hang out for a few minutes after the show. I think that's the show for the day for you guys out there. I appreciate you being here. And uh, that's the show. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's your host, Ronald Skelton. I want to thank you personally for watching the show today and invite you to call our new hotline, 918-641-4150. That's 918-641-4150. Call us and tell us about our show. Ask questions. 
uh, suggested guests, or even tell me about a business you have for sale, and we'll reach back out to you. Again, that number is 918-641-4150. Call our hotline and leave us some information. Thank you. I want to announce our new channel partners, the ITX Marketplace. Since 1998, ITX has created $5 billion in value by selling more than 225 IT businesses in 20 countries. ITX works exclusively with IT-enabled businesses generating between $5 million and $30 million who are ready to be sold and M&A decision makers who are ready to buy. For over 25 years, ITX has developed industry knowledge that helps determine whether a seller is a good fit for their buyers before making the match. ITX Mergers and Acquisition Marketplace we have partnered with has a proprietary database of 50,000 plus global buyers seeking IT service firms, managed service providers, Microsoft service providers, software as a service platforms, and channel partners with Microsoft, Oracle, ServiceNow, and and, and the Salesforce space. If you have an IT-enabled business you're ready to sell, I want you to visit the IT exchangenet.com slash marketplace how to exit that link will be in the show notes visit them now the investors and entrepreneurs professional mastermind the investors and entrepreneurs professional mastermind combines the traditional peer-to-peer mastermind introduced first in napoleon's hill's famous book think and grow rich with accountability partnering where your peers help you ensure that you set goals, take actions, and get results. If you want to scale, blow past roadblocks, and achieve success faster than you might think is possible, I suggest you take a visit over to TIEPM.com. That's T-I-E-P-M.com and check out the Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind.